Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This Dimensional Living with your host, Diane Bachberger. Diane has been given message from the fifth dimension and higher to bring greater peace and understanding to the lives of others. She lives and experiences these higher dimensions to help our world come into balance and to raise to a higher vibration of love. You can find more information on Diane on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash dbachberger1 as she shares great wisdom with the world. Let's welcome your host of Fifth Dimensional Living, Diane Bachberger. on Fifth Dimensional Radio. What propels a civilization into the next step? Join me over the next couple hours or so as I take you into the Fifth Dimension and beyond. It's uh, 10.01 right now, and it's January the 27th, 2016. Some interesting and heavy-duty, intense times are going on right now. The last time I did a show was December the 23rd, so that was just before Christmas. And I talked a lot about um, many different things. And, you know, all the shows are interlinked, um, and some of the trains of thought continue. I did talk somewhat about the Mercury retrograde that, started, you know, um, at the beginning of this month and uh, went up to, I think it was the 25th, so it just recently ended, that Mercury retrograde. And if I have a little time today, I'll talk a little bit more about that and what meaning it has to, you know, humanity expanding themselves. Fifth-dimensional radio is all about you know, how and what humanity can do, by how I mean um, how humanity is shifting consciousness. And sometimes it gets a little perplexing and people don't understand what's going on. So we do have this radio show with Earth Angels Radio, Fifth Dimensional Radio. It used to be called Fifth Dimensional Living, um, to help people on their journey. You know, a lot of people tune into this show because they do have questions. So we're we're here to try to help with those answers. Uh, Carol Guy started Earth Angels Radio in 2007. And I have been doing shows, you know, in different capacities since 2009. But I have been doing this radio show for over four years now. So it does get a little intense sometimes, but... um, 
you know, the, these are magical times. These are times of humanity getting their light and expanding consciousness and going from third-dimensional consciousness, which is a consciousness based on, I guess, you know, physicality, the ego, you know, materialistic things, you know, the lower, what they call the lower bodies, the earth bodies. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different type of consciousness. I want to stress that right now, okay? Um, some amazing things happened recently. Um, December the 31st, we pulled out of the matrix of lower consciousness. And January the 14th, um, a lot of things happened to, I guess, solidify this um, and for humanity to really expand their consciousness. So, um, you know, hopefully I can get around to talking about that in the show today. Um, there's so many different things going on. It's, you know, I want to touch on a lot of different things, but at the same time, I want to make it easy for people to understand what's going on too, okay? Um, you know, a lot of humanity right now is um, looking at the dark side of themselves and balancing that energy because fifth dimensional consciousness isn't about duality as 3D is. Du duality means that there's equal and opposite things like hate, love, and fear go with you know, love those emotions too. So they're, mir they're mirrors of emotions, but they're the opposite mirrors of emotions, okay? But these are times for us not to let these um, emotions that are coming to the surface clog up the body and to have understanding of why we're experiencing these emotions. And it is important not to bury those emotions that are coming to the surface. It's important to look at these emotions. There was um, a full moon alignment that was pretty incredible in Leo that happened this past Saturday on the 23rd. And, you know, we have shifted into Aquarius. So there's a lot of things that are mixed together, like in, in a bundle. You know, when you go, you know, you buy a package, I, I just, it just comes to mind, like say you buy a package, you get your telephone, you get your TV and your cable, all in one package. It's like, you know, you get a benefit from having it all happen together. This is, this is just coming to me now. I'm not, what I'm trying to say is that there are a bunch of different things that are happening to make or allow humanity to have this. Um, the black moon on Lilith, Uranus T-square, um, you know, Uranus brings up those um, emotions. It's restless. You know, these are times to look at these emotions, but also to balance and to feel balance in it. Because, you know, you can react. I was at this wedding this for this full moon Leo, and, you know, I saw a big shift just by being at this wedding. Like, there were so many different people. There were so many different emotions. And it was like seeing a mirror of this. It was pretty incredible. I wish I could get into it, but I have so many other things to talk about. But it could have been like a volcano, you know, erupting. Um, people were trying to communicate, trying to understand each other. 
and it was times of truth when people said things about people it might have been they weren't hiding what they were saying at this wedding you know it was like the true truth was coming out and it was pretty amazing it's the time of the spiritual self coming out too um and looking at these fears like i said and when you release these and you go beyond karma and you go into shift into fifth dimension it's like a time to fly you know people talk about the golden age going to the age of aquarius well on the 14th it was very solidified and when this full moon in leo you know and sun and going into aquarius were all happening um but also, you know, there's all this light and all uh, at the same time all this shadow coming forth. You know, this Chiron, Neptune, and Pisces gives us the opportunity to light, to become free and clear this stuff that we've been experiencing. So, you know, don't let these emotions, you know, get clog, clog your body up. Release them. Feel the light within you. And, you know, there's going to be a couple uh, eclipses in March. You know, those, some of those amazing times when things, more things are being revealed to us. Um, if I have time, I want to talk about um, Neptune opposite Jupiter square Saturn. And, you know, five planets um, over the next month. I, I'm trying to remember when that happened, but um, just a, about a week ago. Um, five planets, are, you can see them... Um, at the sunrise. So this Neptune opposite Jupiter square Saturn T square is pretty amazing and the sun opposite Jupiter and the sun goes into Pisces. You know, and Chiron's in there too. Um uh, Pisces with Neptune. And like I said before, this black moon Lilith energy and this Uranus um you know T square with it is is a is an exact opposition to this Uranus-Pluto square that we've been experiencing for quite a number of years now. You know, it, it's kind of hanging around for a while yet. So what what can you do to make this time easier for yourself? What are you feeling in your emotional body? You know, they, they say right now we're integrating all our um, outer bodies with the physical body, into one great big energy field. You know, it's, um, and pe- people are doing it at different times, but really this is what's going on. And, you know, um, Lilith is is the thing that, um, it's a vortex of energy that is opening up for humanity. It, it represents that. And, you know, the Uranus and Pluto square, all these things are very intense. And the Mercury can join with Pluto. And then the Mercury retrograde that just happened. So, you know, like it, people might feel like their head's spinning. You know, the Mercury retrograde, a lot of things happened that were kind of funny to me. Um, when it first happened, I was on a bus. And it was breaking down. And we... I was the last one to get off the bus, but I was the first. It was funny because um, I've got, you know, because I had to get, 
I got on the bus last. I was the first one off. And when I came off, you know, the the second bus, I went flying and somebody caught me. So, you know, the newness of things allows us to soar. You know, um, so, but I just happen to have somebody catch me. So we're there for each other. Uh, I'd like to get into it more, but I'm just basically, you know, touching on different ideas that actually happened to me. Um, You know, this Mercury conjunct Pluto retrograde, I believe it started, um, well, the retrograde didn't start, but it started to shift December the 19th. And, you know, it um, really, the Mercury retrograde started... um, the beginning of January sometime, but it ended this past January 25th. So, you know, it's a a very, very intense time. And um, Venus is going into Capricorn. And, you know, the Capricorn energy with the Saturn energy, there was somehow this Capricorn and Saturn energy were... I don't want to use the word fighting each other, but they were going head to head. Maybe that's a better thing to say. And this Venus energy that's going into Capricorn is really intense energy. It's the divine energy asserting itself and basically saying, Saturn, you can sit in the corner and behave yourself. Okay? So, this sun Capricorn going into Aquarius now, and then now Venus is going back into Capricorn. Really strong Capricorn energy. And like I said, there's the Capricorn um, Saturn overlay going on. And it has something to do with my energy. I know that and what I have to do here. And it has to do with shifting this Saturn energy that has been on the earth for quite some time and has been causing things to be mucked up. You know, the Mars is still in Scorpio. It's an intense time. Pluto is intense energy. Like we were talking about the Uranus-Pluto stuff. And, you know, just it was about this time over the last month has been about self-exploration and looking at the bad things and the good things but doing it with Capricorn energy and looking at that um, materialistic part of ourselves, you know, um, and looking at our relationships and the intimacy. You know, this black moon love moving through Libra in this opposition to Uranus um, scoring Pluto brings up these shadow elements from the subconscious. So, you know, Lilith is about the underworld, Uranus and Scorpio are about looking at those shadow parts of ourselves. And Pluto is about underworld secrets. You know, I've been experiencing a lot of things. A lot of secrets have been revealed to me. I don't necessarily have to get into it all. Um, Just know that, you know, these are really important times. You know, I just hope I haven't gotten out of... (laughs) I haven't flipped myself out of the uh, queue here, and it looks like I have. Oh, gosh. Um, let's see what I can do to get uh, back into the studio. 
for some reason this this is supposed to happen. I don't know because what I was talking about maybe um, I wasn't, you know, is something. This is really weird. I've just kicked myself out of the studio. Okay. Well, I can still keep talking, and um, hopefully I can get back in the studio again. There I'm back. But I have to stick up the chat again, so um, that's just really funny. So if you want to know what I just talked about, if you're listening, you could go back and listen to the show because you may not have heard what I said. I was talking about the underworld shadow stuff and the Pluto underworld secrets. Um, So these are exposure times. You know, the Saturn moving through Sagittarius and Venus moving through Sagittarius and Capricorn. It's about integrity and ethics and what we can do to change the world here. So it's about integrity and moral. 2016 is the year of purification. Um, the Jupiter conjunct with the North Node and the sign of Virgo is purification, opening up to the higher self. And we're moving from lower vibrations, or some of humanity is. A lot of us have already moved out of it. And it's about not killing the ego, but moving out of ego. And, you know, the fears that we have been rooted in the body in this ego part of ourselves, it's moving out of the the kind of the reptilian lower um, materialistic part of ourselves and out of third dimension and... Um, that Saturn energy and and the guilt and the fear and the time being locked in time and space and ego and progressing. You know, religions were, and the modern religion was reconfigured by Constantine, um, which Constantine came from a line of beings, okay? And I, I want to get a little bit into that because it, it has to do with the history, but maybe it's not that important anymore, but I will talk about it. Um, it's time to listen to our fears, to dig down with this Pluto energy and the underlying roots of the fears that we've had for so long or humanity has had for so long. And this Mars and Scorpio is is the time to cut loose and let go of these fears. You know, religion was created to keep people in that, locked into the, you know, that fear body. You know, um, so it's it's a very, very intense time. And, you know, the Mercury-Pluto energy together is like digging deep. And um, sometimes people can be a little obsessive about that, but it's nothing, it's not about the good and bad. It's about balancing those opposites and, you know, the things that have to do with duality to get beyond 3D. It's about balancing the good and bad and all the other emotions that we have, seeing these emotions. And there's five planets aligning right now, you know, that are balanced. It's about the balance right now. So this full moon in Leo that we just experienced going into Aquarius was about liberation, freedom, awakening, and partying. And this (laughs) wedding was all those different things. It was funny, though. They went on a honeymoon to uh, New Zealand, and there's a lot of really weird energy going on there. So whatever, you know, oftentimes if I don't go to a place, there are people that I give them energy and they take it to a place. So I'm actually bringing energy to New Zealand. 
and shifting energy there because there's a lot of the elite that have moved there and a lot of secrets that are going on there and they're going to be blown (laughs) out of orbit there. So it's a time to be intense, but it's also a time, you know, to look at all these other things that are going on within us. So I did talk about a lot of different things and, um, there's a lot of other things that I really want to talk about, too. So I, I, I'm looking at the time, and I think, wow, I did that in 19 minutes. So 19 has a special significance for me. It's magic, okay? Um, I, was, I want to talk about um, a little bit about white magic. And, you know, white magic is doing things for everyone. And when um, a certain thing happens in humanity as a collective is shifting energy and wanting things to change, it's a time for white magic is happening, okay? Also, this this is a, uh, a time that a leap year is going to be happening. And, you know, we, I talked about, I believe, either on uh, the last show I did, December 23rd or the one before that, I talked about leap year. I'm going by, you know, Long-term memory here. So, you know, I want to talk, and I'll go back and, and talk about some of the things that I was going to talk about, but this, I want to talk a little bit about leap year. You know, some people are born in leap years, so they, you know, technically they have their birthday every four years. And if you um, looked at the age, you know, we we go by years. But, you know, if you go by your birth date, you know, you would only have four years for every year or one year for every four years, I mean. So um, it it can go into a lot of rigmarole about um, leap years, but basically, you know, every year they don't know what to do with this extra quarter of a year, so they stick it all in one year. And, you know, all... Different calendars do have done it differently, but this is just what we have been doing. Um, it just says here on this article, it's um, what is the effect of leap year, and it's um, a site, and it's s t r a i p s n i a i dot l t. So it just talks about. Um, you know, in every given year, the actual date can be a day earlier or later because our human calendar does not exactly correspond to the actual movement around the Earth, around the Sun. And when while calendars show a, a year of 365 days, it actually takes 365.25 days for the Earth to return to its original starting point. So after four years, they, they lump all those .25 days together. So it's a leap year. It's divisible by four. Um, to bring the calendar back in line with reality and just for those four quarters of a day by adding one full day on February 29th. Um, so it says uh, leap year does not affect those cusp dates or the real astrological cusps in your horoscope chart. But what makes a leap year necessary is also why the so-called cusp dates are not always the real dates. The sun changes the sign. So... You know, astrological calculations take leap years.
when they translate your calendar, birth date to universal time, so the cusper signs in your personal horoscope um, accurate if you were born in leap year. So if you were born on February 29th and only have a real birthday every four years, you can still rely on a birth chart done by a real astrologer to take into account when interpreting your birth horoscope. So, you know, they're just saying that don't worry, it's, it's taken care of. So signs are areas in space which, in effect, measure by the time it takes the Earth to revolve around the sun. But from our viewpoint, the sun appears to travel across 30 degrees of the zodiac in one twelfth of the year, 365.25 days. Each of the 12 signs represent how the sun appears to travel in one twelfth of the Earth year or one month. And we see the sun appear to move through one sign about 30 days at the rate of one degree per day. So there's some links below that sh- with more details on signs. But I want to commit here or another, we make adjustments to keep our uh, system of line with reality. Um, you know, as I'm, I'm getting um, somebody trying to call in, but what happens is, um, I know it sounds very strange, but um, I get these weird calls, and they're not from anyone, and I'm, I notice I'm getting one of those calls, and it just means that some type of shift is going on, or, or somebody from another realm is trying to make something aware to me so but what i experience um may not be what you experience so sometimes it's a little difficult for me to explain those things but it's something like that's going on right now and i noticed today when i first started you know before i started to do the show there was a difference between my laptop and uh the main clock that I have that's always accurate was about six minutes. So I know that there's some type of um, divergence of the timelines going on. So there's there's meaning to it, but for me, you know, um, but not necessarily people would may not understand it. Anyway, so getting back to this, they just, you know, we're talking about signs and, and what goes on with leap year and you know, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, if you're a little more interested in it, just, you know, go go into it. But I just wanted to know, uh, let people know that everything is significant and we still live in 3D reality to some point. But, um, you know, Leap Year is sort of making up for something. So, we're going into some phase making up for some. And anyway, so when the sun, it goes on to say, this is towards the end of the article, when the sun appears on the first day of spring next year at a slightly different point in the Pisces, we tropical astrologers will redefine the new points as zero degrees of the sign of Aries. It will only be a fraction of a degree slightly further apart back in the constellation of Pisces than last year, but over the centuries in time, it will have moved back from the end of Pisces to the beginning of Pisces and touch the end of the constellation of Aquarius, which will officially mark the beginning of the age of Aquarius. So um, I just got to see when this article was written. I don't... Yeah, it was written Wednesday, January the 27th, 2016. So it's actually, wow, you know, written and being posted today. So... 
so pretty much, you know, I, I've talked about, um, i trying to think, 2009 as being, you know, like when there was a trickle of the age of Aquarius, but now this spring, it's really going to be entrenched. It will, and um, I'll read this again. So when the sun appears on the first day of spring next year, at a slightly different point in the constellation of Pisces, we tropical astrologers will redefine the new point as zero degrees on the signs of Aries. It will only be a fraction of a degree slightly f- further back in the constellations of Pisces than last year, but over the centuries in time, it will have moved back from the end of Pisces to the beginning of Pisces and touched the end of the constellation of Aquarius, which will officially mark the beginning of the age of Aquarius. So everybody's going, oh, when's the age of Aquarius start? Well, there's like a shadow period, but in the shadow, there's a mark that really starts to click, okay? So we're coming to that click. Okay, we, they go on to say, we tropicalists do not stay stuck in a 5,000-year-old system of astrology known as sidereal astrology of the stars. We allow our astrology constantly evolve to represent the reality of living on a planet that slowly shifts its alignment with the stars. Now that we understand the phenomena of the progression of the equinoxes, and they talk a little bit about that too, if you want to have an understanding of that, go back and read it. Tropical astrology is Earth-centered astrology, so remember that the sun appearing in the sky at a certain constellation does not mean that isn't the sign of the same name. So if you're using the tropical astrology instead of sidereal astrology, actually you can't see the constellations and the bright sun is in the sky, but all those stars really are there, and the sun is passing through some of the stars along with a particular band of sky we call the zodiac. The sun and moon and planets never appear higher or lower than the sky than within a narrow band. So there's that band, right? At night we may be able to see the moon and up to five planets with some of those constellations, which we are seeing right now. And it, it goes on for about a month from the time it started. But this didn't happen. Um, the last time it happened was 10 years ago. And it symbolized the awakening, okay, 2005, of the divine energy the awakening of humanity began. And the earth went into fifth dimensional consciousness in 2005. So, and some people say 2086, some people say 2098, but, you know, know that it has happened. So, they're visible right now, those those five planets. So, a lot is going on right now. Maybe it's not so much that you know what's going on, just that you know that there is a balance going on and some deep energy um, that we've held in our subconscious and at a cellular level in karmic and the subconscious and which we've been accessing, you know, that's what's been going on. And it's coming to the surface right now. My birthday, I went and stayed at a place because I was, I knew that I was supposed to work with some energy. The deep, dark, dark energy was being closed, and some of the veils that have been open over the last few years were being shut. And I talked about it on Facebook. the The seraphim angels. There's been two types of seraphim angels, 
and um, the ones were opening up the book of knowledge, were opening it up for people that had expanded and opened up their upper heart, but they were guarding that knowledge. It's not like in the Garden of Eden. That's something totally different. But some of the seraphim angels were also um, lining up where that veil on earth was blurred. And, you know, there was kind of a two-way thing going on. It's been going on for a while. And that's how a lot of this demonic and other type of energy has been playing havoc with humanity. Well, it's it was traveling back, okay? And the reason why I'm talking about this is, you know, because, you know, we're talking about the subconscious um, and accessing it during dream time, which is some of the feminine energy, because a lot of this um, masculine kind of energy has been dominating and, and in 3D dominating it. And we're opening up that feminine energy that's been held within us and opening it up. But um, so for some people, wake time and dream time will become more like, you know, people may start having visions and connect to this higher feminine um, divine energy, but it's about balancing the masculine and feminine energy right now. Okay. Um, Anyway, I went to this place, and it was really funny. I'm going to talk about something really intense and strange. But, you know, I have said that I would share the things that I experience. So what happened was I was seeing – how do I word this? I was seeing – okay, I went to bed that night. I went to bed quite early after my birthday party, and I went, you know, went to my room. And then during the night, I woke up. Or at least I thought I woke up. I really did wake up, but for a while I thought it was dream. I was sitting in the bed, and I looked up, and I saw somebody. I, I, I never have dreams about being in the room that I'm in, but I, this time, you know, I thought I was dreaming, okay? I woke up, and I looked over, and then sitting on this kind of Davenport, and I want to let people know, too, before I get into this, um, when I dream, I am totally conscious during my dream. I have lucid dreams, and I analyze them. And, you know, dream time and fifth-dimensional consciousness is different than dream time and third-dimensional consciousness. You know, it has meaning. Um, and anyway, okay, I'll just let... Uh, just Get, get on with the story because I keep going on about other things. But anyway, I looked over and there was, you know, somebody sitting on the couch. And she was kind of a bit oriental looking. And um, I kind of, I didn't say anything. I thought, okay, I'm dreaming. You know, this is kind of a funky dream. So I, I just sat there and the person looked at me and said, no, as long as you're here, um, you're kind of, Basically, she said that I was, she couldn't do, by looking at me and me looking at her, she couldn't do what she was here to do. But looking back on it afterwards, I real, you know, I was kind of looking at her and I thought, well, is that a man or a woman? And the way she was dressed, it looked very androgynous, okay? 
And then later on, I realized that um, this was an angelic being, probably a seraphim that was at one of these um, veils, you know, that was there to bring back this um, negative energy that kind of had leaked into this realm. So I kind of rolled over and went back to sleep. I thought, wow, you know, this dream or what, you know, whatever. So later on I got up and I, because I had drank a bit of wine and I had a lot of tea um, in the celebration for my birthday, so I, I went to the washroom. I never get up, well, very rarely get up during the night, but um, I got up and I opened up the door and there were two women standing there completely naked and I started thinking, you know, this is a, is this a dream, right? And then I realized, no, this is not a dream. <laughs> so I, but I looked to women and I said, you're not supposed to be here. And I shut the door and they, they came out afterwards and I turned my head and they were gone. So, you know, what was I seeing? You know, I've, I've actually seen ghosts before and they were like kind of a filmy and I don't want to get into all the times that I've seen them, but um, then I realized, you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't dreaming. This was actually, you know, the underworld and things that I was seeing. But um, I should get back to when I went to bed. I, I kept seeing all these gateways opening, and they were like fireworks, and it was, it was pretty amazing. But what I think, um, enough of humanity has looked at that dark side, that and the energy is being balanced. That we're actually, our humanity is actually taking this energy, and you know, it's not split anymore. Good and evil. It's still to some degree. In, in we're in a physical realm, so it's still there. But within a lot of people, that energy is becoming more balanced. So that, that's why I'm talking about this. So. Getting back to what I was reading about, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, what's going on and um, we're into the age of Aquarius and and it's coming up. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, how we add these quarter days together in a leap year. So... Just remember that in the tropical system, the sign, the same name as the constellation is actually located one whole constellation ahead from what the constellation appears in the sky. So if the ancient constellation is Pisces is rising on the horizon, it is actually today's tropical sign of Aries that is rising. So the sigil sign of Aries is still the same as the constellation of Aries since this uh, sidereal system is concerned only with the movement of planets like the Earth through the original constellations, not with those constellations that are changing their alignment to the Earth's axis and equator. Remember, tropical is Earth-centered and sidereal is star-centered. They're at different reference points. So this person is talking about the Earth's point. Um, the constellation of Pisces now represents the, t- the tropical zodiac sign of Aries since we are still in the age of Pisces. Confused? Don't worry about it. Your astrologer will get the signs right using this computer. So anyway, just know that um, you know there's an overlap of, of different signs and different astrological methods um, C- 
see it from a different point, okay? So we're we're kind of at the cusp of really going into the other side of that blurring. It's it's like a balancing time, blurring of, you know, two different ages. And and they say that, you know, it can happen any time, but um right here they say when we reach the age of Aquarius in 100 years or so, it will be the very end point of the constellation of Aquarius that rises on the eastern horizon at dawn on the day of the vernal equinox. And we tropical astrologers, we're calling that point zero degrees varies. You know, when you hear people talk about point zero happening, that's a little different. But um, so the point zero varies because we always define that rising point as zero degrees of the first sign. It's called Aries, our tropical system of astrology, which uses the trop of Cancer and the trop of Capricorn and the Earth to define locations of zodiac signs. So, you know, I am a Capricorn, and the funny thing is my daughter is a Cancer. So, you know, I can, I can uh, you know, identify with this. So the signs are Earth-centered and not star-centered, which makes sense because of our Earth you know, the way we've been on Earth. So if you want to do a little more reading on that, it's um, www.straipsniai.com. And then I I think it's a either an L or a... It, it, it must be an L, Okay and then a T, and it's a slash E-N, and then slash horoscopes, slash page, and then slash 9865. So um, on that note, I just I want to talk about something that's kind of interesting. And, you know, some of you who have listened to the show, I, I talk sometimes about being um, an ancient one, which just means that... Um, the original creation of the divine being, you know, just a little bit before humanity was created. So, um, um, before that, uh, before I was going to get into what I was going to talk about, I wanted to talk about something else before I forget. Um, We went through this um, new moon and the new moon in Capricorn. And I'm just trying to make sure this is the right one that I'm... um, This is really funny. Got to make sure I got the right year here. (laughs) Um, The new moon was really powerful. And they compare it, you know, it was really funny to pomegranates. And I was like, Kind of, I I didn't go and really read this until recently, but I was like almost obsessed with pomegranates. Well, you know the time of the year you can get pomegranates and everything. So Mercury in Aquarius square Mars in Scorpio, and Mercury stations retrograde at zero fifty seven of Aquarius, retrograde from January the fifth to the 25th. So when this new moon happened is when the Mercury retrograde happened. So 
the Venus and Sagittarius square Neptune and Pisces energy, both at 7 degrees. And the Sun conjunct Pluto and Capricorn at 15 degrees. So, you know, I was talking about all these energies. Um, Mercury retrograde. Um, that Mercury retrograde stations retrograde at the early edges of Aquarius. It's squared by edgy, angry Mars and also embedded in Scorpio. This is a retrograde that demands our attention. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't, I'm not sure if I really talked about the retrograde on the last, uh, or the last show that I did, so maybe I'll talk a little bit about it. Um, there's a reason why things happen and the reason why I talk about things. Um, it says, um, Learning from our fear. It says, make fear your apprentice, not your boss. So, you know, I was talking about all those different energies together. And, you know, karmic energy and emotions coming to the surface. But not living in fear because you're facing your fears, but learning from your fears and making it your teacher or your something you can learn from. But not your boss, you know, um, these are times of intense energy. So what have you learned through this Mercury retrograde? You know, I'm saying that my transmission went on one bus and then I got off and I was the last one to get off. And then when I went on the other bus, when we got off, I was the first one to get off. And then I went flying out of there. <laughs> so it's an intense time. And if we deal with all these emotions and we've dealt with them, we will fly, okay, and we'll go, the sky's the limit, and we can really change things here, and I can see it happening already, okay? So, anyway, this article is, um, let me just see here. Um, it's a blog, and it's canninglicklis.com, make fear your apprentice, not your boss, retrograde from January to fifth to the twenty fifth and I'll spell it C H A N I N I C H O L O A S dot com. So I've just gotta let some people know I'm doing a radio show. I'm doing a radio show. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I was telling you that this is a time where we can learn from our emotions or learn and, and really shift things. So, talking about that new moon in, in Capricorn. Um, and it explores um, you know, that period of time, I guess, from uh, January 9th to February the 7th. Um, it's it's kind of, I guess, the lunar cycle at that point. But that's a whole uh, other thing. And I'm, I'm just... Um, you know, what have you learned, I guess I could say, from your fear, from the fears or, or the things that you've um, brought to the surface? You know, with all that Lilith, you know, um, Scorpio, Pluto, and all those other energies that I've talked about, bringing them all to the surface, okay? And then the balanced energy that you know, I was talking about, and you go back and listen to it again, um, helping you learn from, from all this and go beyond 3D reality. 
So any planet that's station retrograde yields ultimate cosmic power for the moment. Imagine a car slowly stopping on a way to freeway. You know, I did talk about, you know, the retrogrades and different things that are going on on the show I did on December 23rd, so go back and listen to that show. And get gets our attention. We need to watch for it. It evokes a response for it. It demands that we alter our course of action. In Mercury's case, this has to do with our communications, our thoughts. We make meaning out of the information we take in and how we really that meaning integrate it in our lives. And so Mercury stations and then goes into retrograde uh, January 5th at, you know, it went at 6.06 a.m. Pacific time at the very beginning of Aquarius. So there's that energy again. You know, it's like kick-starting Aquarius. Aquarius wants innovative knowledge to take what is known further for the good of all. You know, we're going into an age of technology, and, you know, Mercury retrogrades are times when technology kind of goes haywire and, and that sort of stuff. But Aquarius is the expansion of that um, technology, right? And we're really expanding right now technology-wise. So, you know, every day there's new technology that is being fired at us, new, you know, laptops, you know, tablets, all these different things. When you think of over the last 10 years, it's like, wow. Aquarius is reasonable. And, you know, there's been those five planets that step forth. So what's going to happen after these five planets are gone? And are we going to go through another jet propulsion, like me flying out of the, that bus? And thank God there was an angelic being there that caught me. Because I might have kept on going. <laughs> Aquarius is a reasonable and refused jumping to rash uh, conclusions with a thorough and thoughtfully weighed um, review of data. It's not just swept away in hype and hoaxes of the latest fashion. It frowns upon pulp culture's wildly misunderstood and mismanaged understanding of Mercury retrograde is something to fear. So it's, you know, a lot of people, oh no, Mercury retrograde, what am I going to do? And what's going to happen? And blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. So Mercury retrograde is an inv- invitation into the underworld. You know, I was talking about, um, you know, how this deep, intense energy is going on right now. And it, it kind of opened us up to that energy. And I actually saw, well, I've gone and experienced being in the underworld, but I make that decision to do that. When I On my birthday, when I was working with some energy to close some veils, and I did it, I actually kind of was on that cusp. You know, we're talking about two different kind of realities. Well, I was on the kind of in between two realities and I was experiencing it and you know the ghost didn't look like little um you know things running around with sheets or anything like that it looked like you and me to me and I you know I dream time um and other realms and this reality were all kind of merging for me so there was some type of energy that was being blended you know I do energy work, and I blend energy. So that was, I'm trying to make it as easy for people to understand as I can, okay? Okay. Mercury retrograde is an invitation to the underworld, an invitation to relish our agenda, our our importance, and our egos, an invitation to strip down and get to what is more important. Through this transit, we may be given major and minor complication blips, but most times if we take heed, 
such minor issues are signaling to us our plans are not as important as we think they are. When we are not as important as we think we are. You know, um, somebody wrote on my Facebook wall yesterday, you know, I put a picture of this actress and how much she had really changed. And somebody put, it looked like me. And I said, you know, no, it's not me. It's blah, blah, blah. And um, somebody said, oh, it looks like you when you you, you weren't narcissistic. <laughs> and, you know, anyway, what I'm basically trying to say is um, everybody's like everybody else to some degree. We may have different gifts and things like that. But, you know, it's it's good to have somebody kind of keep us in this reality. I'm not saying I'm narcissistic, but, you know, to some degree we all are a little that way. Otherwise, we wouldn't take care of ourselves in this reality and stuff like that. So Mercury retrograde can complicate the day-to-day. Missed phone calls, texts that never arrive, wrong directions, misunderstandings. You know, I I noticed those things were happening to, to some degree, and delayed departures seemed to soak up endless hours or a precious time. So when I... Was take I was going to take this earlier bus and I decided not to take it. But I was thinking about it. I thought, oh, I wish I had taken that later bus and I could just relax and have time to myself. Well, you know what happened? I had to get off one bus that broke down the transmission and then get on another bus and I ended up catching that bus. So we can merge two things together, and it and it happened. Perhaps it's the only way to get us to pay attention to what really matters, okay? So I was, I did have time to do a lot of thinking because I was on the bus for a lot longer. Perhaps getting our way isn't the only show in town. Perhaps our our agenda is the only thing worth paying attention to. You know, there's a lot of beings or people on the, the planet that are caught up in their own agenda, and it might have to do with, you know, physical things and the ego, you know, we're going beyond that. So it's important that we don't get caught up in that stuff. If you're caught up in one of these communication breakdowns, take it as a clue to see what else is happening. You know, this part has already gone on, but I haven't done a show for a month, so I thought I'd better include it. To become a student of the moment and student of how you deal with life in the very speeds and sequences. So, you know, sometimes we get thrown off buses. You know, sometimes things break down because this is a physical reality. On January 5th, this Mercury squares Mars, Mars, I'm sorry, as it stations retrograde. A square from Mercury and Mars in Scorpio can induce many dramatic conversations. So I was talking about these energies, you know. Um, The heavy-duty black Lilith energy and the Uranus, you know, and the Pluto energy that dig deep. The Mercury brings enlightenment in Mars and Scorpio. So we're looking at, you know, a lot of masculine energy, balancing some other energy. So it's powerful. Mars is powerful in Scorpio in its own sign. And it has its own tools to its disposal. So, you know, it's cunning. It's sneaky. It does not shy away from conflict. So these are times that, you know, we we beat that fear. And... It's just about being patient and taking that time. And with untold patient, Mars and Scorpio wait until the moment is right to strike because it strikes to win. Some may say kill. 
But, you know, going deep, you know, Scorpio has the patience of a million well-formed plots for long-term revenge, so it's not about to act without strategy. But we're looking at it in the way that we can learn from it, okay? Mars and Scorpio has a Jessica Jones-like determination to seek justice, retribution for innocent victims of cruel. You know, when I was, I kept seeing all the things that were going on in the planet, and I was being shown a lot of ucky, really shitty stuff, and, you know, I'm I'm being blunt, okay? And I was thinking, like, what can I do about this? What can we do? You know, look at it within ourselves. And when we look at it within ourselves, we can release it, okay? And I think to some degree that's why a lot of those veils were were shutting down because a, a lot of humanity was doing that. Mars and Scorpio isn't trying to win accolades for purity, isn't trying to distance itself from the paradox that can occur when we find ourselves embroiled in a battle for peace, it isn't asking for neat and tidy answers. So so this Mercury retrograde was pretty intense. And it was, you know, when the Capricorn stuff was going on at the same time. So it was kind of organizing it. And, you know, we can assume that everything less than brutal honesty with ourselves can bring worlds of pain upon us. You know, we may think that it brings pain upon us, but it actually brings release, you know, and then we can fly, like I did off the bus. Denial and danger are good mixed with only that was hell-bent on destruction. So it's not a time, you know, and humanity got beyond this because a lot happened. If you want this Mercury-Mars combination to work, let the truth surface and sit with it until you know what appropriate course of action is for you. You know, they say that, um, you know, Mercury retrograde, the kind of overlap continues, you know, for about a week or two after. So the reason I'm talking about this is you can still do it if you haven't done it, because I know somebody out there hasn't done it, because I I can feel it. And this is why I wasn't going to talk about this, and suddenly I went into it. So there's reason for everything. In fifth dimensional consciousness, you do things in the moment for whoever's listening in the moment, okay? So let that truth surface. Sit with it until you know the approximate course of action is for you. Um, So this is a combination that won't let us sit with half-baked truths. You have to know the truth. And I was feeling it. I went and searched for that truth, and I felt it, and it didn't feel too good, but then I saw beyond it, and I know that we can shift this energy, and we did start shifting it. So, And humanity is doing it. So yee-hee! Make room for not knowing. Make room for discovery. Make your fear your apprentice, not your boss. You know, there may be things that you've got buried deep within you, and you see it kind of peeking out, and you go, nope, get back in there. Don't do that. Say, okay, I'm ready. It's not going to be easy, but come on out. Maybe one at a time. So acting impulsively out of need to quell our fear and fix everything will make the mess right quick. By January 8th, the Mercury slides back into Capricorn. You know, I was talking about the Capricorn energy. Wants to utilize what it has to access to. It wants to make something of what has been given. Since most of the retrograde will be in Capricorn, this Mercury retrograde will have us reviewing how we relate to the resources we have access to, as well as the house your chart that the Capricorn occupies. So Mercury retrograde ends as dramatically as it began which was just a few days ago, with a square to Uranus, 
January the 20th, and a conjunction to Pluto, January 22nd, sorry, before it stations direct on January 25th. There is a, is a theme here of purging the old and outdating defenses. So we're going from one completely different reality from an old one. You know, like I left that bus, and that was the old bus, and it broke down. And I got the new improved one, okay? And this happened when all this was going on. I'm not joking. So there's a theme of purging. The old and outdated defenses were normally too good at rationalizing. One direct Mercury will hit up these two again. Mercury will conjunct Pluto on January 29th and square Uranus on um, January 31st. So there's some pretty intense energy coming out for humanity. This is unsettling, revolutionary, profound revolt. Setting off the Uranus-Pluto duo does no favor for those who fear conflict. No, I've been talking about the Uranus-Pluto squares for the last few years. You know, a lot of the shows that I talked about when they became, you know, strong. So we're, we're, we're having some, with this um, two um, no, eclipses that are going to happen in March, it's going to open a lot of this energy too to look at things that we have, you know, and things are going to be revealed to us. Uranus and Pluto leave no conversation uh, cloaked in costumes of contentment. This is real talk and nothing at all. This is Mercury retrograde is about facing the conversation, revelations. You know, I talk about revelations all the time, like things that we look at and we say, hey, you know, this is cool. It's not about revolution right now. It's about revelation. And the facts, we may fear the most. But the funny thing about fear is that it usually seems way worse than it is. So, you know, it's magnified. It's like looking at a magnifying glass at yourself and you go, ooh, I'm not sure I want to be able to do that. But when you take the magnifying glass away, you, when you first look at it, like, holy crap. And then you take the magnifying glass away and it's a lot smaller, right? So this is my analogy. It's usually keeping us from our autonomy in some ways, holding our courage captive and distorting our view of ourselves in the world. So there's some there's a distortion when we look at the crap that we've been holding within ourselves. You know, we really need to bring it forth and look at it. You know, stuff we have within us is reflected on the outside of ourselves. If we look at the stuff and we see things in a favorable way and we put positive things outwards, then the positive things come back to us. And then we really start to manifest what we really want around us. You know, we're not holding all this crap that is taking all our energy within us. And, you know, the elite and the things that have been released in this reality that are leaving, you know, they, they, they don't want to, they didn't want to leave or they don't want to leave. So they've been, you know, kind of perpetuating this karmic life-death cycle within humanity. We're light beings. And, you know, we're beyond physical beings, okay? So this Mercury retrograde will peel back the layers of our life that it touches until it's gotten down to the core and what's store for us. And it says, please go willingly. See you on the other side. So I just thought I'd, you know, that that's pretty intense stuff I've been talking about. But, you know, I talk about things as they are meant to unfold, you know, um, and I'm going to try to get to a lot of other different things, but I do want, you know, this Mercury retrograde, new moon and Capricorn com- combination. It's, um, I was going to say popcorn. 
going to the theater and getting the combination, you know, like the drink and the pop and all that other stuff. You know, there's been a lot going on. Like I said, you know, there's this combination of things. It's like, you know, buying a package. We're being given a package, and either you take the package or you don't take it, but most people are taking the package because it's a better deal, okay? So that Mercury in Aquarius, Square Mars, and Scorpio, both at one degree, that happened January the 5th, and the Mercury stations retrograde at zero degrees, 57 Aquarius, and it goes retrograde from January 20, from the 5th to the 25th, and Venus in Sagittarius, Square Neptune, and Pisces, both at seven degrees, and Sun conjunct Pluto in Capricorn at 15 degrees. So, I just want to go back uh, and talk about this new moon. The the Venus Neptune square that also happens on happened on that day doesn't make matters you know doesn't help these things. Venus is actually activating our our larger celestial construction, the Saturn Neptune square within us until September 26th. So you know you may want to look that up, the Saturn Neptune square, and it's. It's pretty powerful energy that's going on. While Venus looks for connections that feel good and promote pleasure, uh, Neptune has a propensity. So there's, this is an activating day, this day, you know, when all this started to happen, this new moon, you know, Capricorn. Uh, Neptune has a propensity to induce an unconscious around the dangers that accompany such pleasure principles. A Neptune-Venus combination can choose to look the other way when being harmed, taken advantage of, claimed to be completely unconscious of its effect of others. If there is a constructive side to this aspect, it will help us seek an unconditional source of love. So we go connect to source. We reach to source and ask for help, okay? Intimacy and union with ourselves and others. It can also open up an entrance to endless creative visualizations and uh, working with healing images, you know, so it's a healing time too. The sun conjunct Pluto is the icing on the cake of Tuesday. It holds no barred type of astrological influence. Pluto does not mess it around. It throws shade for days. The mother of Darth Vader, Pluto lords over the underworld and the dark, the wealth, the unstoppable forces of nature that will eventually take every last one of us. So Pluto is the end. Pluto is the great purging. You know, I talked about this is the year of cleansing. This is the year of great purging. This is when we really change. You know, this is, we're going into that line and we're jumping. You know, when you have the skipping rope and you do the shaky thing on the ground and you jump back and forth, well, you know, you jump on one side which is the right side, and you jump on the left side, and you stay on the left side. You keep, then you know, then you're in a whole different reality. To merge conscious identity with such power source on a day like this is mighty mixture indeed. We can keep our egos in check. There's great potential. So, it's about seeing beyond the ego. Okay, using our personal will towards a collective good. So it's about seeing, making a choice for the better good of everyone. Okay. I wanted to see what, if there was anything about January the 9th, because I saw some dark energy really coming forth on that day, and humanity got beyond it, which is, but I I was feeling it. Um, Okay, I'm going to read about Saturday, January the 9th. This is New Moon in Capricorn, 5.30 
p.m. and join us for the ritual of renewal, the new moon in Capricorn, and the astrology of the lunar cycle from January the 9th to February the 7th. You'll receive links to this recording, it says. Um, so you can do a little bit more reading on that. Um, so that energy was really strong, that um, new moon energy in Capricorn. That was the day, January the 9th. They go on to say, you know, they're meant to be, um, you know, and they talk about Aries and Aries rising. And uh, anyway, so they have all this stuff written here. I wanted to talk, let me just see. People are trying to message me. They're trying to call me. (laughs) We're coming out of retrograde. Um, The full moon in Leo that happened. um, I was talking about how, you know, everybody was partying at this wedding and it was the full moon. And, you know, it, it was, it could have been, it could have gone one way or the other, but there was a balance of people and a balance of energy. This is Mystic Mama. Um, and it was the energy that just happened um, on Saturday. I was talking about the new moon prior to that. Um, this uh, Mystic Mama article talks about Leo full moon. You crown us with the deepest truth we acquire. So we're going even deeper into the this energy. We've opened up a lot. We've dealt with, you know, that underworld energy within us and we're balancing it with a lot of other energy you know because we're going to fifth dimensional consciousness which is balanced and in the now not in time and space you know you know we're still in a physical realm but your solar light illuminates our shadows so the moon in all our fullness can be greater reflection so we've gone in those shadows and then the light comes out and we really you know, we look at all those things and they seem a lot deeper and heavier than we think they are because of the distortion. But it's a gift, you know. So this is um, Kathy Pagno from her Wisdom of, of Astrology. Mercury will be lowest in the sky next to the rising sun. Then comes Venus, Saturn, and Mars with Jupiter riding high in the sky. This is a beautiful event you won't want to miss. Hold your arms up in a straight line from the horizon to the moon, and the planets will fall along that line. So, you know, besides this full moon, <laughs> you're going to have, you know, these, the, all these planets lining up, you know, besides, right? This is a beautiful event, and... um it was beautiful, the wedding. So it says, don't give up. It may take an early morning to get the, see the full alignment. So set your alarm clocks. You don't say it here, but I'm saying set your alarm clocks and get up. When the full moon shines brightly in the night sky, our attention is drawn to the heavens, and the alchemical truth is manifested as above, so below. So it's about igniting that light. The Plutonian edge to the chart adds some urgency, and the urgency is to get to the heart of what's happening to provoke a catalyst. So, you know, I was talking about this Pluto energy is going to deliver some messages, and it's doing it through this Mercury energy. So keep your eyes and ears open, messages to do with your calling, your passions, and your achievements that will be your crowning glory. Um, on top of that, Mars is in Scorpio, and that Pluto, Pluto's own sign, these factors amp up the intensity and desire to burst out of limiting scenarios. So I burst out of that bus for sure. 
the very foundation of things or presumptions can be questioned. And it takes time for soul searching and observing. Mercury will couple with Pluto at the time of the full moon and on January 29th. So those two days that Mercury and Pluto energy is, you know, like really intense. And it can bring out, you know, like I was saying before, I was preoccupied with pomegranates. It has to do with that energy, okay? You know, focusing on something. But you should focus on what you want to look at. You know, there may be things coming up and you may get the wrong idea about what they mean. You know, it's it's energy that becomes like fruit and it becomes like juice flowing, okay? So don't be obsessive about things. Look at what you have to look at. Sometimes we become obsessive because we don't want to face things, okay? And, you know, that's why people drink and they gamble and do things. They're upset about something and they channel that energy in a different way. And it can be a challenging time. Mars is the planet of action and desire. You know, and all these things are lined up. Think about it in the horizon, all these planets. He is Scorpio. Mars is challenging both lights, the sun and moon. Watch out for losing your temper. Conversations can erupt into disagreements. This energy can make you irritable. Channel your energy into physical activity. If you notice your anger rising, count to ten. You know, this is a time when some people can get really peed off. And, you know, humanity is is learning about things and finding out what's really going on here. And they don't like it. This is from Divine Harmony. The most potent configuration playing out right now is a T-square between Uranus and Aries, Pluto and Capricorn, and Black Moon Lilith and Libra. This T-square is intense, but also potentially super transforming and evolutionary. So there's a lot of things that are intense and going deep, but they're also transforming and evolutionary. So these are good things. So, you know, this energy is still here. So, you know, I'm going to have, um, how do I say this, Um, a ceremony to trigger that within humanity if it already hasn't been triggered. So this Mercury retrograde energy that we just went through, Three times in mid-December this week that this article was written in the end of January and the beginning of February, uh, this this retrograde energy is going to keep getting triggered. We'll have many opportunities presented us to work with these energies and to dig deep. Um, communications are going on with, you know, we're going on with that full moon, and that full moon energy continues for about a week afterwards, okay? So we're still we're still in that energy. It's also a great time for deep, penetrating insight into the past. You know, um, when I was at this wedding, this lady, um, I don't know if she, somehow somebody told her what I could do, but anyway, she started talking to me. She said that she kept seeing dimes everywhere. And I told her that somebody in her life was trying to give her a message, and I felt it was her mother, and she kind of had this really strange look on her face. And then... I said that she wanted to know more, and I was trying not to, you know, at this wedding, I was trying not to talk about, excuse me, let me (coughs) cough a little bit there, because I wasn't trying, I was trying not to do it at this wedding, right? But she kept kind of digging, so I thought, okay, I'll just do this. 
and I saw that um, her mother had been, you know, something terrible had happened to her when she was a child, and it went beyond, you know, anything I could really talk about right now, but that, you know, that is of consequence to her and to her daughter. But, you know, the she didn't treat her daughter that well when she was around, but I, she was trying to give the message that I'm really sorry, but this basically, this traumatic event was so intense that I was living in pain all the time, okay? So the reason I'm talking about it is because this Mercury retrograde brought out a lot of that stuff, the penetrating deep stuff of our childhood. And this lady, I guess, was feeling this, and she... You know, I helped bring it forth for her to have understanding about her mother. But I think she still had a lot of angry feelings about it, but she did. it did come to the surface. So if you have those things come to the surface, it's important to look at them. And it's not about just looking at about them. It's looking at them and, and, and have, trying to have understanding and then going beyond and, and forgiveness. But it's, it's, it's about getting to the truth, okay? Further, because BML is in Libra relations, they're undergoing major shifts right now, and these shifts is bringing a light to the truth as it is. So, it was funny at this wedding too. People were talking about relationships they had, and it was like I almost fell off my chair because they were just saying it as it is, and I was going, "I've never seen this happen before." But you know, we whatever's going on within us, especially I see happening around. You know, I really get the message. So this all ties to the full moon in Leah as the T-square is a major feature in the chart, even if it does not aspect the full moon. Combining this T-square with full moon T-square with the sun and Mars, we have feisty, fiery lunation bringing light. So this is a really opening up, shining that light on everything, you know. Full moon brings awareness. So, of course, we have to be willing to see what we don't want to see about ourselves and others in the world around us. You know, I look at those things about myself and people go well you know how can you say that i say well you know it's it's being open to that thing and listening what other people have to say around me so that is the main reason why many people avoid going to therapy because they're afraid to discover what they have been repressing and they're afraid of turning their lives upside down um there is a period where there's anger and then dealing with it but if you can see beyond that you know, it, that's what's important. Yet the only way forward is to deal with the past because we're releasing the past and we're focusing on the now in fifth dimensional consciousness, right? And this astrology right now is about digging up the past. So it's digging deep and getting rid of all that karmic stuff. And then, you know, once we do that, we can let go of that part of ourselves that maybe we don't look at and it's just accepting and then saying, oh, it's okay, you know, we, we can live, we can go beyond that. And that's why those, those veils were shutting down. So a lot of those elite that haven't been so nice and been doing really not nice things, they've been suppressing it too because, you know, it's not who we are. Whether you're, you know, reptilian or alien or wh- whatever you are, we're all from that divine energy. So that splitting and that... Those opposites is because of a distortion. It's it's because we think we, we don't have a connection to that energy, but we all do. So they're going to be, even the deepest, darkest, nasty people are going to be 
having to look at their stuff. And you've seen shows about, you know, people going to therapy and, and then thinking, oh, crap, you know, like I've been this rotten person. I've done this and this and this. And they they start looking at it. You know, everyone can, can change, okay? I'm not saying that the people have done these things. I'm condoning it. I'm saying that anybody can change. And this energy is the type of energy that's going to allow for this. And the funny thing was, at this wedding, I saw a person there that I, in the past, I'd seen as real evil really do a major shift. So I saw it happen. So this is, the, I guess, the purpose of me having to share all this, or not having to share it, deciding to share all this, is for you to see that, you know, that nothing, it's not too late to do anything. And, and, and it's really shining the light on ourselves and releasing the stuff. We don't have to hold it. We can make the decision to let it go. And it's it's not as as bad as we think it is, okay? It's much worse to hold it in and to, you know, those veils. It leaks out. It leaks out. That stuff comes out. So we think we're not dealing with it, but it really comes out. So we're able to shut those veils and to be who we really are. And the resistance we build up to this outworking as being inevitable and escapable is thick. It is persistent. It's backed up the world in every way. So, you know, do you want to have that sticky energy around you? Or do you want to have your energetic bodies and, and different things split? Or do you want to have one cohesive, flowing energy? Or do you want to have all this crap that's at a cellular level? You know, you make the choice. Therefore, we must enlist help, support, empowerment in the direction that is um, maybe a little threatening and overwhelming, but there's energy to offset this, okay? The Capricorn kind of energy, you know, the Mercury energy. Um, we're compelled to draw forth every ounce of true reflection as we possible find anywhere, for everything depends on taking up a path into the shadows. I actually did it. <laughs> I went into the shadows, and... You know, I, I believe that somebody else that was in the place actually maybe saw something similar to what I saw and took off. I just thought, hey, you know, like, this is something that I have at a deeper level that I have to look at, you know, analyzing it at the time and then afterwards. Then the ego mind wants nobody in this vicinity knows the use so deeply. So the ego wants to stick around. The ego rationalizes everything. We go beyond ego, okay? A deep earth path that claims that civilization has paved over an urgent quest into the affinities that hold the, the, the keys to the earth evolution. So um, I want to go into um, something, and I, I, I know I have time, but I will uh, talk about... Um, something that uh, is written in Irish um, mythology. And, you know, a lot of mythology is based on fact because, you know, people have um, talked about things, you know, for thousands of years. And, you know, finally they wrote them down. But, you know, there was like a verbal oral tradition where, you know, and pretty much it was repeated rote for rote. And it had to be repeated exactly. So these things were passed on, right? This article is, it is in an, a, a magazine called Irish Central. 
And it's called the Tesua Danan. And it's T-U-A-T-H-A and D-E, separate word, and then another word, D-A-N-A-N-N. And the article is called Tathua Dedanan, where the Irish gods are aliens. I happen to know, I'm going to say believe, that you know different people have come here at different times to help humanity, and I'm one of the original ones, and maybe one of the names they've called them was this. They called them the shiny ones to help balance energy and to help humanity. But anyway, this person, when I came to Ireland, it did not take me long to fall in love with its misty landscape and scattered ancient ruins. They drew me in. I felt at once connected and intrigued, leaving me behind the realms of the accepted Irish history. I plunged into the shadowy domain of Iris, Irish sorry, mythology, and that was where I encountered the two Asad de Danan. So, um, the stories of the Dahanan were passed down through the ages into the legend via the ancient oral tradition of the poets. Later, Christian monks began assembling and recording them in an effort to produce a history for Ireland. Inevitably, these texts were influenced by their beliefs and their doctrines. So, even Constantine, you know, um, had the books shifted and, and different things in the Bible. But we'll get into that later. Their translation skills are lack of and the desire to please their patrons. What we are left with is impossible to still into facts and to fiction. So it's hard. There's a demarcation. You know, what I was saying before, it's hard to look at dream time, that feminine energy, and this reality in dream time and wake time. It gets, it gets uh, blurred as we go into um, from third dimension into fifth dimensional consciousness. Um, these myths are so fantastic and so bizarre, and no scholar or historian worth his salt would ever entertain them as anything than pure fantasy. But this person happens to feel that they may be based on truth, okay? I am not a scholar, and I don't worry about academic reputation, but I say there's My no... My very first experience... Okay, and then something popped up, so... An ad. Sorry about that. Hopefully it won't pop up again. Anyway, it won't let me close the ad. Eee, what's going on here? Just when I get into the nitty gritty of stuff. Okay. So he wants. You know, the person talks about this. Who were the Tuatha Dananan? Tuatha Dananan, pronounced two a day, Dunan, is translated as the tribe of Danu. No people have heard of the goddess? Scholars are agreed that Danu was the name of their goddess. Well, probably Anu or Anan. However, that is unproven, and I believe would equally have referred to a leader or king or even a place from which they originated. They are a race of godlike people, and they were gifted with supernatural powers. <clears throat> and apparently they invaded and ruled Ireland for over 4,000 over 4, years ago. And according to the the ancient documentation, I'm just going to take a drink here, known as the Annals of the Four Masters, and then it was compiled by Franciscan monks, uh, monks, <laughs> monks between 1632 and 1636, some earlier texts. <clears throat> the Danon ruled from 1897 B.C. until 1700 B.C. 
It may be even further back than that, okay? This is what they said, so you don't know. It could be thousands of years. And it says it's a short period in, in which to have accumulated such fame. So maybe there was a mistake made. You never know because it was written, right? So they were said to originate from four uh, mythical northern cities, Mirias, Gorias, Phallus, um, and Finnis. So probably located in Lockland, Norway. So some of these could be Iceland, Greenland, you know. But anyway, they, they were... They, what they basically say here, that the, the veils were thin and they may have come from a different um, reality, okay? And maybe they come when they need to come. Um, so it may not have been a, an invasion. It might have been something that they had to come and um, take care of something. This is, you know, what's going on right now to help humanity, Anyway, claims in a poem they came to Ireland flying in, in flying ships surrounded by dark clouds. And then, then, you know, an updated version by these monks, they said, they, you know, they something a lot different. They landed on Leba and S-L-I-A-B-H and A-I-N-N, Laren, the Iron Mountain, in Leitrim, where they brought darkness over the sun lasting three days. There is a lovely line which illustrates perfectly the bewilderment felt towards these people. The truth is not known beneath the sky of stars, whether they were of heaven or earth. The later version of the story relegates the flying ships, I mean, you know, the, the alien ships or whatever they were, to mere flying sails. The dark clouds became towering columns of smoke as the, the ships were set alight, a warning to observers of the Danum were here to stay. So clearly the monks recording the story were trying to make sense of something which was out of their comfort zone. So originally they came in flying ships. So there's history all over the planet, and before the deluge even, that there were beings that came here. Different types of beings. Some were reptilian and some were, you know, like what they call the Palladians. So we have our first dilemma. Which story to believe? Did they arrive from the skies or across the sea? What did the Danan look like? They certainly looked very different to the small, dark, native peoples of Ireland at the time. The Danan were generally described as tall with red or blonde hair, blue or green eyes and pale skin. Now they talk about the giants, too. There's other tales, and then the dwarfs. And apparently, you know, the, the dwarfs and giants you know, integrated with humanity, and that's why we have, you know, the genetics for dwarfs and giants. This is what people have rationalized. You know, this is these are separate stories, though. Interestingly, archaeology has unearthed evidence all around the world of small colonies of red-haired people from the same time period as the Tethua or Tuatha Dudanan arrival in Ireland. So, isn't that strange? Excavations in Xinjiang province, China, have revealed mummies of red and blonde-haired people living around 4,000 years ago. The extremely well-preserved uh, Egyptian mummy of, of nobleman Yonka, um, Sira, 1400 BC, shows he had blonde hair and Nordic features, as did his wife, Suya. 
she was also Tutankhamun's great grandmother. So um, that's amazing. And they they talk about first bionic man. So one of these tales that the priests recorded from the people that have been in oral tradition for quite a few you know a few thousand years. In order to win supremacy over Ireland, the Danon fought against existing ruling tribe, the Furblog. And you know this may have been um, some type of reptilian type of you know, beings or something. In the first battle of Moitura, during this encounter, the Dan and High King Nuada Argalham, pronounced Nu or Gasalam, lost his arm. He survived but lost his position as a king could not be seen as anything less than whole as he was to bring his people continued success. In an intriguing turn of events, the physician Diane and D-I-A-N-C-E-C-H-T replaced the lost limb with a fully functioning arm of silver. Later, Dan Shet's son, Miash, also a physician, caused skin and flesh to grow over the metal arm. This whole, again, the kingship was restored to Nuada following the ousting of the replacement, the tyrant breast. So here we have another case of strange, advanced, dare we say alien technology, could this be the first ever prosthesis, a robotic arm built over 4,000 years ago? And then the, they talk about the four treasures, Irian, so E-I-R-E-A-N. The Danon brought special equipment with them, four magical talismans of great power. These were the Sword of Light, also known in the Irish as Kalama Solas, pronounced Kaliush. Shulish is said to have been made by the Ulysses in the northern city of Findias and brought to Ireland by Nuada, and that no one ever escaped from it once it was drawn against them. Sort of like a lightsaber, you know, like in Star Wars. And they describe it here as a glowing white torch. The similarities to the imaginary lightsaber are quite striking. This sword had some type of futuristic laser weaponry. And then Lou Spear, also known as the finest, famous U of the wood to be been made by E-S-R-A-S-S-R-S in the northern city of Gorias. Lou used it, L-U-G-H, used it to kill his Formorian grandfather. And I believe um, that uh, Constantine was the remnant of this Formorian I believe that they were a reptilian being. The giant king Balor at the second battle of Moitura, although some versions of the story claim he used a sling, it has been suggested that Lou's spear, this spear Crimal, C-R-I-M-A-L, which blinded Cormac Art, Cormac Mac A-I-R-T, rendering him unfit, not whole for the rule. And the Lewin, Kelchar are one and the same weapon, though there are no concrete evidence to back this up. The Lewin Kelchar is a fascinating legend. is a long, fiery lance from which sparks as big as eggs flew when the spear heat takes hold of it. So it's activated. So and, and then this energy comes out of it. In order to prevent the flames of the tip from consuming the shaft, the worry holding it, the spear was dipped into a cauldron of mysterious sorcerous liquid. In the destruction of the dag 
Gura Hostel, a saga of the Ulster cycle of mythology. The Lenuan Celt chair is claimed to have been discovered at the Battle of Moitura, the same battle which Lug killed Balor. This spear could well be Lug's and seem to possess many of the qualities of the Sword of Light. So they're saying they could be the similar thing. It might be even the same thing, but they, they, other people see it as something different. The Dagdas Cauldron, also known as the Cauldron of Plenty, Quar Asic in Irish pronounced Quiraosic, is made by the Semis, S-E-M-I-S, of the northern city of Mirias. Not much is known about this vessel, though it is thought to have the power to bring the dead back to life, and that none could go from it unsatiated. Dr. Olaf Erslingsing has suggested the giant stone basin found in the eastern passage of the mound, central mound at Noth, part of the new Grange complex, could be the Dagnus Cauldron. They show a picture of it. It's like a big... Um, I don't know how to describe it, a tube with a, a knob at the end. And, um, you know, like a monolith kind of thing. And it has like a map on the bottom. It looks like Atlantis at the bottom. And they're saying that the concentric circle design depicted on, on it could be, a, 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 you know, a map of Atlantis as described by Plato. But how could the Danif have come by this knowledge, you know? The leaf fell is another thing that they brought, also known as the Stone of Destiny. And everybody's heard about that one in the Coronation Stone. It was made by the Morfessa of Thalias and brought to Ireland by the Danon, where they dutifully placed it in the Hill of Terra in um, Meath. Legend has it that its cry confirmed the coronation of the rightful king of Ireland. So it would make a noise. And that its war could be heard throughout the land. It was broken in half sometime later by Cool Lane, and that's C U C H U L L A I N. Lane, that's how it would be pronounced, when it failed to proclaim him or his prodigy. So it said that, no, you're not the king, so it broke in half. One half was carried away to Scotland, where it eventually ended up on the throne of the British monarchy, though there is a whisper that this true stone was hidden possibly beneath the River Ty and remains there to this day. A stone with a voice sounds too fanciful to be true, but perhaps it was misunderstood. Perhaps the stone was more than a stage upon which the new king stood, his voice amplified by, or amplified by some sort of alien microphone. And then they also talk about immortality. You know, you've heard about these veils and myths and beings come from you know higher realms and those things like that well i believe you know that these beings were from another realm and they came to help humanity they're more famously known as tar anog or the land of the ever young this is thought of the original home of the danon it could be reached through water by traveling west over the sea or passing through the gateways of the sid mounds in these places, the veil between the worlds was never considered very thin and therefore more easily transversible. Perhaps the most interesting aspect of this magical realm is not the eternal youth, beauty, joy, and plenty it represents, but the passage of time attributed to it. In Trinanog, T-I-R, one word, N-A, and then N-O-G, 
time seems to stand still. And while in the mortal world, it passes in a blink. Because, you know, in 3D, we exist in time and space, right? And um, these other realms are in eternal time. So passes, time passes quickly in, in time and space. The story of Osen, Fon Kumhal's son, in, 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 went into this realm with his other world lover, Nayam, and illustrates this, um, you know, because when he went into the other realm, he didn't age, but he was still human, right? The story of Osen, like I said, um, talks about this, and after only three blissful years in the magical realm, Osen returns home to find 300 years have passed. Um, when he falls from his horse and his feet touch Ireland's soil, Age catches up with him and he dies an old man. The idea of infinite paradise where no one grows old and time has no meaning has parallels with space travel, alternate dimensions, and even mundane things such as advancements in health care and medicine. Were the Danon immortal? Not in absolute sense of living forever. They could be killed in battle by sickness, though compared with the natives at the time, they were clearly long-lived. Even modern men would seem ages, ageless, and long in compared with our early ancestors. The Danon and Said, S-I-D-H-E, the Danon were defeated by Malsinians, whom historians and scholars agree probably were the first Gauls in Ireland. Not only were the Danon defeated by military might, but they were cunning. It was agreed the new invaders in the Danon could each rule half of Ireland. So it was, uh, so they were reasonable. Amergen of the Malissians chose the half of Ireland which lay above ground, leaving the Danon to retreat below. They were led away to the new domain via the Sid Mountains by Mananan, god of the sea who was shielded from mortal eyes by raising an enchanted mist known as the Faith Fiatha F-A-E-T-H-F-I-A-H-A pronounced Fifoa <laughs> or Cloak of Concealment as time passed, it became known as the city, or she, Irish's folk, fairy folk. So um, that's interesting. So gods or aliens, no one observes without understanding, even in the airplane flying through the sky, carrying people in the belly or to distance, unimaginable lands. Seems like powerful magic. So, you know, if we went right in the Brazilian rainforest and people had never seen powerful ships before, they would have this kind of idea about that, wouldn't they? So, anyway, the ship becomes, the plane becomes a ship transported in dark clouds. A television screen becomes a vision, the phone, a stone which speaks. Perhaps an oracle giving advice directly from the gods. Those who manipulate such magic must surely be gods themselves. They look like gods with their height, their red golden hair and blue eyes. They wield fiery Powerful weapons, they appear to be ageless and immortal. They are wise, beautiful, and fearsome. Dan and magic can be explained, though not proven, as technology misunderstood by the local population. Whether it was man-made or alien-made is debatable, or if it was God. Gods, you know. Divine energy did create gods at one point, but they retreated to higher realms. It is certainly possible that these were 
migrating people from advanced civilizations, maybe displaced by the Great Flood, searching our new homes, bringing them what remained of the knowledge and technology. I also believe that we're not alone in this great cosmos, and visits from other worlds and dimensions cannot be ruled out, or perhaps it was magic at all. After all, a force which, having no comprehension, we seek to deny. You know, the magic in the planet, we keep seeing shows about magic coming back, you know, um, we are magical. We are beings of light. We can manifest what we need to have here. And we, when we live in fifth dimensional consciousness, we can shift this reality and, and change things instantly. Okay? So enough of humanity will be coming forth to do that. Anyway, so... Experts, beings, the scientific and analytical mind will assist the lack of physical evidence proves the two Asa of Dedana never existed. In fact, so many stories about them remain. However, it was evidence enough to me that they did. The aura of the mystique that surrounds these elusive people is for me the greatest part of their allure. So this is Ali Isaac, lives in beautiful rural cabin in Ireland and the author of two books based on Irish mythology, Connor Kelly and Four Treasures, Arian, and Connor Kelly and the Finian King. So, and then she has a blog, www.alilsaacstoryteller.com. So, if you're interested in more stuff about that, it's kind of interesting. Um... So I I wanted to talk about that because um, I believe that the Tuatha Dé Danann come back to this realm to help humanity when there are beings that are threatening them and when the humanity is going into another, you know, back into the consciousness they came from. So I, I, you know, I just wanted to mention that. I, you know, I wanted to talk about those five planets aligning in the sky right now. And they're going to be doing that, I think, till approximately February the 20th, okay? So there's amazing energy going on, and I've talked about it all. And, you know, I mentioned stuff that has already happened, but the energy is still here for that. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And I, I, I'm just waiting for the thing to pop up because my computer is going really slow today, you know. So, and there's an article. It's um, the New York Times, believe it or not, and Space and Cosmos. It's uh, how to view five planets aligning in the celestial spectacle. And they show, you know, the, what what's lining up. Jupiter, Mars, Venus, Mercury, Earth, and the Sun. So... And then Saturn, so there's one, two, three, four, five planets besides Earth lining up. So Mercury, Venus, Saturn, Mars, and Jupiter on an ecliptic, you know, on lining up. They're not all together, but when you look from the Earth, it looks like they're going tic-tac-toe, boopity-boop, you know, like boom, boom, boom. So, you know... Early in the morning uh, in the northern hemisphere, you'll you'll see Mercury down low, and then you'll see Venus, Saturn, and Mars. Kind of it goes in an arc, and then 
after Mars, Jupiter just kind of dips down a little bit. So it looks like an upside-down hockey stick, okay? So it's kind of interesting. Um, five planets parade across the dar- dawn sky, and they talk about it happening. Um, let me just see when this was written. They said Wednesday, so... Um, when, I'm just trying to see when this article was written. It was last week sometime. Um, in a rare spectacle to repeat every morning until next month, uh, headlining the planetary performance are Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn, and Jupiter. It's the first time in more than a decade that the Fab Five are simultaneously visible to the naked eye. So this is uh, Jason Kendall, who's on the board of the Amateur Astronomers Association of New York. They, they're quoting him. Admission to the daily show is free. Through scar- stargazers in the northern hemisphere would like to get up about 45 minutes before sunrise to catch it. City dwellers can stay in their neighborhoods to watch as long as they point their attention to the east, according to Doc, Mr. Kendall, who took his telescope to Inward Park, Hill Park in Manhattan around 4 a.m. Wednesday. So that's um, Mr. Kendall said he immediately saw Jupiter, Mars, Saturn after looking to the crystal clear sky. Venus glowed as bright as an airplane against the darkness where it rose. Aided by the telescope, he also saw Jupiter's moons and Saturn's rings. So, wow. Um, For Mercury, you'll need binoculars. He said it will not jump out at you, but everybody should be able to see Venus and Jupiter said that Mercury would be too low to see clearly. Yeah, it's the lowest one and will most likely become more visible on February 5th or 6th. So um, you may want to wait. You know, you may want to look at it, but really want to see it February 5th or 6th when it's the greatest distance from the sun along the horizon. So the greatest task for the viewers is discerning the planets from the stars twinkling the sky. But Mr. Kendall offered a simple trick. Close one eye. Stretch out your arm and slowly pass your thumb over a bright dot in the sky. If the dot slowly dims out when your thumb passes over it, it's a planet. If it quickly blinks out, it's a distant star. So he's offering some pointers here. Uh, the show was expected to run from January the 20th, so that was, you know, last week. I guess that was Wednesday. Until February the 20th, but the peak time to see all five is from the end of January until the first week of February, when Mercury is at its highest points, according to Sky and Telescope. The display is made possible by the uncommon alignment of all five planets along what is called the ecliptic plane of their orbits. You know, that's what I said. You know, they're in different distances away from the Earth, but when you look at them, it looks like they're kind of lined up. But, like I said, they kind of arch up and then, you know, goes up, and then it goes to Mars, and then it goes down again. So it, 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 it looks like an upside down, you know, instead of having your hockey stick when you're facing it up, you turn it the other way, pointing down, but going, going the other way. So over the next five weeks, each planet will appear one by one across the sky of the northern hemisphere. As it did Wednesday morning, Jupiter will rise first and emerging sometime at night, while the other four planets will make their debuts in the wee hours of the morning. Mars rise a second so it's kind of doing it in reverse then saturn and then venus the brightest orb falling by mercury so it it's like a reversed arch okay 
Mercury, which appears about an hour before sunrise. Each morning, display will last until the sun comes up and makes it too bright to see the planets, typically around 7 a.m. It's impossible to find specific times when each planet will be given. Um, to find specific times when each planet will rise on a city's given horizon. So you can check the Farmer's Almanac to find that out. If it's not super often, you will get to see them all the time in the sky. It's like seeing all of your friends at once. So it, it's it's kind of a neat thing. Uh, you know, it, it has some type of meaning. An astronomer from the American Museum of Natural History, that they are other... They are there, the other uh, rocks or balls of gas that are running around the sun. And then those who miss the planetary alignment in the next few weeks will have another opportunity from August 13th to the 19th when the Cosmic Motley crew gives an encore performance. So that's amazing. It's happening twice this year. So how rare is that? So pretty amazing energy is happening, I know, again in August. So um, just be aware of that. There was something else I wanted to read, and I don't know if I posted it, but um, let me just see if I did. Um, I might be able to find it. All of a sudden it's saying all this stuff's not found. Oh, well. Um, Come on, move, you little cursor, you. Um, I wanted to, uh, but before I, I talk about that, I want to talk about something else. So I'm trying to get the computer to do stuff. It's it's like, um, I wanted to talk about this cancer surge that's going on right now, but they're attributing it to, you know, the GMO sugar. So limit your sugar intake. Do a lot of cleanses especially when we're clearing a lot of this energy, a lot of this toxic energy that's coming out of the cell at a cellular level. But, um, you know, take organic cane sugar if you're going to have any sugar at all, not this GMO corn sugar that they're they're selling at this, you know, the stores. Um, be aware of that because, um, you know, a lot of things like uh, immunizations and um, things like that have been done, you know, to... Foul up humanity. There, there's significance about this. Um, I'm trying to find this article. I can't seem to find it. Um, I'll have to go check this one here. Uh, just wanted to find something that talked about. Um, let me see. I was trying to find an article that talked about these planets that are happening right now and what they mean. Okay, let me see if this is the one. That's Mercury Retrograde article. Oh, here, wait a minute. That's okay. Okay, I found it. <laughs> but for some reason it went out, you know. Oh, here we go. This is fun. Okay. It's it, but this person um, says that the planets aligning are not doesn't have a hell of a lot of meaning in their opinion. But he says to some people it does. Some people think that it does. And then talks about it could it mean single the signal the end of the world? Um, are pregnant ladies going to go in labor all one time? It's a bit dramatic, okay? 
but you know, starting the January twentieth through the uh, uh, February the twentieth, Mercury, Venus, uh, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn will apply in the straight line or an ecliptic. It's not really a straight line. It's an alignment. Um, but you know, they say that you know some of it you can't see until you use a telescope, or you know, some of the it's it's hard to see. The Mercury's hard to see right now. They go into all that. But um, if you look at what significance each of the planets are, then it does have some meaning, okay? Mercury has communication. So we've been going through that Mercury retrograde, and we've been opening up to understanding and then, you know, going into some type of communication. Um, This is opening up some stuff, and this eclipse is opening us up into this type of communication, and it's about looking, and because Venus is involved in all that sort of stuff, it's about, you know, love and how we feel about love and um, are you getting enough love. And putting this relationship into action, this is is the Mars energy. So a lot of people may be shifting the way they think about love. And Jupiter is the philosopher, so... And and Saturn is the symbol of karma. So somehow, you know, love changing and our karmic energy is shifting. And we're doing this, you know, through love. So, you know, if you look at the greater meaning, each each one does have does have a you know a meaning. The Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn. And Jupiter. Anyway, the Ju- Jupiter is the uh, going, you know, kind of the going the deep, but it has to do with the good and the bad and letting go of negativity. So, um, so t- step back and take a look at yourself. You know, what are you communicating? Are you really feeling love? Are you holding things within you that are keeping you from feeling? love are you able to go within your center and um i believe that this planet is showing that humanity is having a huge shift in energy and there's been a whole bunch of different things leading up to this you know the 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 evil part and this reptilian energy it's not evil it's just you know has to do with um 3d reality but we're going beyond that, okay? So it's about love and cooperation and acceptance and looking at and being okay with yourself and, and working with other you know, human beings. So when we see that within ourselves, you know, that other side will disappear. And then, you know, the original are those beings that I were, were talking about that, have, that come every time humanity needs them. Or they they exist on a higher level of uh, a higher realm that they're here for a reason. Okay, I'm going to keep talking because um, I wanted to mention something else. But you know, I had a lot of information and and I wasn't exactly sure how I could you know flip it all in there and everything else. But um, how you deal with things and how you see things, what make you know us all 
who we are, I guess. And, you know, I've seen people really make big changes within themselves. Um, I want to talk about crystal healing and the crystal beings and um, magical beings that are coming to the earth right now, some of the children. And, you know, Blu-rays or original ones or what, whatever you want to call them, they're healers and they shift energy and they balance energy when a reality is shifting from one reality to another. So there are parts of humanity that are represented by different stones. And and to heal, there there's different things, you know, that we can do. But I, I want to talk about Jasper. It's, you know, a form of chalcedony. And um, I will talk about, I, I don't have a lot of time right now, so I'll talk about them next week. Um, Jasper, Sapphire, Chalcedony. I had a dream about Chalcedony that, you know, I have people on Facebook that I've connected to that symbolize all these different stones. And, you know, together, you know, we, we use this energy to, to shift this reality. Emerald and... Um, Sardonyx, and then Carnelian, Chrysolite, Beryl, Topaz, Chrysophyllite, Janeth and then there's um, the magical most magical stone of all that um, I will leave a mystery okay it doesn't matter so there's 12 different stones energy that comes together In the divine energy, we join together to bring pure energy to the planet. This is the year of purity, 2016, where humanity opens up to who their true being is. And they look at what has been going on here and look at it within themselves and release the energy that they felt at a cellular level. I pray the prayers of light, and I've been doing this since March of last year, that humanity open up to their own divine connection to the divine energy, and they shift from fear into love. So this time in August, when we really go past that demarked line of the age of Aquarius, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's flowing outwards. With the divine energy and the energy that humanity released along with that negative energy is symbolized by these stones, these 12 stones. And the 12 stones have come together to return that energy to humanity, be able to live that love. So be it. Okay. 
And, um, you know, we, we, we talk about the ancient ones, the magical beings, you know, that come here and help humanity. Well, humanity are magical beings themselves. And also, too, I didn't mention this ninth planet. You know, now they're, they may not be able to see it, but they're realizing that, you know, and I've talked about it on the show where, um, you know, we have this the planets that were around our solar system that are circulating, but there's an, a, a twin sun. And this um, planet kind of goes around the very um, edge of one sun to the very edge of the other sun on an ecliptic. And we can only see it every 15,000 years according to what they've they've come across. There's, there are articles written about it, and I was going to read it, but I, I don't have a lot of time unless I, I this, this keeps going. So, you know... Um, when, when I had all that going on about on my birthday and I had seen through the veils and it seemed very real, um, I kept thinking about, you know, like how um, in the age of Aquarius, how this energy, you know, there's kind of like a demarcation, but it's blurred. It's like a film, you know. Um, this planet sort of is like that energy too. It's like in a different ecliptic, though, from our planets. So when planets go around the Earth, they go, you know, like in a flat plane. But this um, other planet is in a more of a vertical ecliptic to the to both suns, and it it kind of goes on an angle. But it at one point when it comes close, it goes close to where our where our solar system is. So it's it, it's interesting. Um, you know, it's a funny thing, too. Um, a couple of years ago, I bought, the, uh, this is getting off topic, but um, it, it has something to do with it. Um, I bought this Marilyn Monroe nail polish um, from MAC. And then when I went for my birthday, I was going to go to this restaurant I hadn't been to in a long time, but it had a lot of memories because I was thinking of my mother and stuff. And she goes, oh, don't go to that crappy restaurant. She says it's changed ownership and it's not good anymore. Why don't you go to Norma Jean's? You know, and that's Marilyn Monroe's um, old haunt, right? And um, anyway, I usually wear the smoky quartz necklace when I, you know, go to older homes and stuff like that because I don't want to attract that energy to myself. But I didn't wear it this time, right? Because I guess when I grabbed this nail polish, um, my necklace broke. I, I know this sounds really strange, but um, somehow I wasn't supposed to wear this smoky quartz necklace that I usually wear, so I could see all this stuff. Well, there's a point where, um, you know, we have to let go of the smoke to be able to see the clearness of things. So this planet... You know, there's there's things that go, it goes against the grain. It, it's ecliptic is different than the other planets, and it has two two suns. You know, but it's there and we don't see it. Well, there's parts of reality around us that we've released, 
and we've created because of time and space that are there. So, that you know, that'll explain a little bit to you. And, you know, the magical energy, birds, you know, I talk about birds and that sort of thing. They represent that energy. This year, I think is the, um, I made a lot of predictions. <clears throat> and this is the kind of the 50th anniversary of the Vatican Council, but it was also something to do with um, this energy that um, thousand year energy that was supposed to take over well they may have thought that what they did and crowning of whoever they thought they were going to crown for this negative energy it it didn't work because um, a lot of energy and a lot of humanity's energy kept us to that timeline where the best thing happens and um, that energy within humanity that was negative, they've shifted that energy enough that that energy, you know, is not there like they thought it would be. I'm talking about, um, you know, that negative elite energy that have been doing, you know, not so nice things on the planet, but that it's foiled, I guess that's what I want to say. Um and then because, you know, when I was at that wedding on the 23rd, that full moon in Leo, I saw the energy really shift. And so, you know, that I feel like, say, you know, jump, doing a happy dance, but I, I was at a wedding, so I ended up doing that dance. You know, it's the year of the monkey. I think it's a metal monkey. So maybe I'll talk about that next next show I do. Um but the, some amazing, amazing things, you know. Um, all those stones that I talked about, they have some um, significance because they're multiples of each other, um, the way their molecular electromagnetic energy is done. And together they um, help humanity bring out that dark side and bring out that, you know, negative energy, but do it in a kind of a positive way. Um, You know, a lot of people have said, and I've talked about on the show before, how this new Pope who's a Jesuit um, is a kind of a, should never have been the Pope. And a lot of the people that work from that area say that that he's the non-Pope. So that energy has really shifted, okay? So it's it's what I'm saying is good stuff is happening. Um I've been seeing a lot of rabbits and a lot of rabbit tracks lately and usually when I see that it means that a lot of the energy of humanity is shifting but in a spiritual sort of way. So you know and and, and um humanity is magical and, and the birds represent the magic of humanity and I've been seeing a lot of amazing type of birds. They have a lot of shows on television about magic lately. And, you know, I I, I did say that um, January the 16th, and it just happened to be my birthday, was the day that a lot of those veils were being shut to lower realms. And December 31st was when the Earth was pulled out of the matrix of 3D. And, you know, like I was talking about that that smoky quartz necklace of mine, 
you know, um, it it helps shield against um, beings from lower realms and that sort of thing. But these uh, seraphim that were there by the divine being closing those uh, veils, it was pretty major energy that was going on. Also, I want to thank people who are listening for the many birthday wishes you gave me on Facebook. You know, it's pretty amazing. Um, a lot of nice, really nice people out of there. Um, oh, yeah, in January, there were a lot of celebrity deaths. Um, and I think that has some type of significance. And um, there, uh, like I said, in New Zealand, a lot of these elite people have been going there. And, and, and now they're going to be posting you know, who's bought land there is going to be um, be able to know who's there and that sort of thing and who's gone there. So evil within humanity, for the greater part of humanity, has shifted. And the Capricorn energy has shifted the Saturn energy. It's kind of taken over in a good way. You know, Pluto is intensity. I talked about that before. And, you know, that energy, deep, heavy secrets, revelations, and intense conversations with people will happen. Self-exploration um, has been going on. Um, you know, people have maybe found things shifting within the economy, but it's been lightening up with um, that um, Capricorn energy. So it's important to keep the communication open with people, Okay and to go deep within yourself and deal with that stuff that is going on within you. You know, the things that happen around us, like planets aligning, animals and different things like that, there's a greater meaning to them, a reflection of what's going on within us. You know, January 16th was when the seraphim closed the gates of Hades. Uh, Now you can only go one way. There's not two ways. Um, the aligned planets, you know, that's amazing. The, the 12 stones I talked about. Um, there was one of the, I had one stone that um, I hadn't opened up to and I connected with somebody and I had a vision when I was communicating with her about this blue um, Chalcedony stone. I was seeing that. And that, you know, she was actually one of those original beings that, um, you know, I'll mention the stones again. Jasper, Sapphire, Chalcedony, Emerald, Sardonyx, Carnelian, Crystallite, and Beryl, and Topaz, and Janeth. And I'll save one stone for me because it's where my heart is. So those the energy of, it has been released back to humanity. This is a pretty amazing year and a leap year. So, you know, looking at within yourself, you know, um, looking at that part of you that makes life worthwhile and getting through the deep stuff and the secrets that were being, you know, thrown at taken away from humanity you know 
immunizations and different things have been and GMOs have been done to um, stop humanity from being able to do all this, but it hasn't worked. You know, it, it's not about compromising your integrity. It's about opening yourself up to your integrity. Um, I, I talked to my Facebook a while about croatin. I kept seeing stuff about croatin all the time. But what I think it meant was, um, you know, people disappeared suddenly and people thought, well, they never knew what happened to them. There are these veils to different realities, you know. Um, and, you know, sometimes people forget, you know, and there, there has been things that have been done to stop humanity from knowing who they really are. So there's DNA markers that have been left, though, and they go within our bodies. And we, you know, the, the stones that I mentioned are releasing all that. Um, you know, the tube torus, the pulse of life and death in this reality, is all basically an illusion, as, as is the physical realm. They're a key, the keys to seeing beyond this. And, you know, some people are seeing beyond this reality and really who we are. You know, the, the, the solar plexus has shifted within a lot of humanities up where the upper heart is right now. And what it doesn't turn, the assemblage point between the shoulders, is where we manifest from, you know, instead of from the lower um, root chakra. It's like the root chakra, the... You know, the solar plexus, the heart, and the crown all come together. So, you know, this dark energy that we've split within ourselves, becoming integrated within us, you know, as long as we let this energy, we don't face it, it gets runs around amok out you know, within humanity and, you know, nasty things have been going on. Now we can shift this, okay? Um, you know, I was seeing two women and I, I think I was seeing duality and duality coming together. You know, it was funny when I went downstairs after I stayed in the hotel, the, wo- the woman who owns the place looked at me and she said, uh, some people say they see ghosts in that room. And I just said, well, I saw, I, I think I saw something, but I never really went into it with her. So this portal is one way now. Once they go one way, they cannot return the beings that have been here or that part of us that, you know, we haven't integrated. Um, you know, it's like fish to water. You know, the fish, we, we all belong together. Anyway, everything matters, and our hearts hold us together. You know, a heart the heart is what uh, uh, connects us to the divine. You know, some people say the soul is in the brain and the spirit is in, in the energy field of the body. Um, just know that we're expanding and the beautiful creative energy within us that is the connection to the divine energy it, it is free, okay? Just like I, I went flying out of that bus, you know, I, I was like, whoa! So 
when we, you know, talk about beings that are doing bad things and stuff like that and we focus on it, it's something we have to look at within ourselves. So what can we do to um, shift things within us that are negative? Well, I guess we just have to look at them and realize that's part of who we are and then forgive ourselves and um, be part of the world and be loving. Because, you know, there's parts of ourselves that we haven't liked. It's just like... um, people tiptoeing into a room. You know, when you're wearing five-inch heels, you're going downhill all the time. Um, I'm just using this as an analogy. Um, but, you know, when you, you have your feet planted firmly, you're, you know, you're, you're going... Also, you're going on a straight line, right? Time and space. <clears throat> but when you fly, you know, you see yourself as not being encumbered by anything. That energy you go up. So it's about rebirth. It's about listening to ourselves. It's about forgiveness. And, you know, looking deep within and seeing those mysteries, things that we've buried. It's not about rage. It's about, you know, those losses that maybe we felt. And to go beyond those losses, to, you know, like some people say it's paranormal or psychic healing. And, um, it may be the masculine energy that needed to be healed, you know, and some of the feminine energy. So, you know, it's about, it's all it has to do with love and taking us beyond that part of ourselves that we we probably see as evil, but it's something that we didn't like within ourselves that we, we got rid of, so we see it around us. And it's about um, seeing... Like, we still live in a 3D reality that's shifting, but it's about seeing a future that we can be more accepting of ourselves. You know, a lot of people talk about these people that have come from other countries and they're doing bad things and they're doing whatever they want and they think they're entitled and stuff like that. Well, maybe, you know, like, they have to have their hands slapped and said, hey, you know, you can't be like that, that this, we're we're doing things in a positive way and you can't, you can't, be negative towards other people. Maybe it's something we have to look at within ourselves and be reborn. You know, humanity is going through a transitional period, a purging period, you know, purification period. And, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of hate within themselves. So we have to see beyond that hate. And... um, I guess we've been living in kind of a fossil area where we look at the past. It's like a bunch of cemeteries and and things left behind. But we have to take responsibility for that part of ourselves that's within ourselves. Um, You know, maybe that part of yourself, you have to um, turn it into yourself. You know, look at it and say, hey, this is where I have to go from here. And not scream. You know, I, I, I saw those spirits and things like that. I could have screamed and went, ah. But I, I looked at it and I thought, okay, this is kind of what's going on. And, you know, this is the thing that's happening maybe within some of humanity. And um, there's split. But, you know, there's been 
people run amok and some people call it the devil, demons or whatever, but maybe it's just something that we have to look at within ourselves. And, you know, I don't want to focus on that, but um, we have to focus on the, 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 the good things that we have going on here. I, I had a kind of a vision, um, and I kept seeing these runes on people and things like that, and um, I kept seeing this golden horse, having visions of this horse. And then I had a vision of this tube Taurus kind of energy, and then... Um, you know, four different beings on each side, but um, east and west energy. And about the assemblage point, it's funny, this friend of mine, um, his assemblage point between his shoulders at the back actually physically manifested itself and became a hole and a weeping hole. Um I think I talked about it in the last show that I did, December 23rd. And I saw it as, you know, like um, as something that's shifting within humanity and just making it visible to me. But maybe there's something within themselves they weren't seeing. But, you know, we have electromagnetic field around the earth, and it comes out and it kind of makes, it looks like a donut. Well, this tube torus kind of shape is what creates and, and kind of keeps us in 3D. And I saw it as shifting. But every time this energy was, um, you know, made to change, it kept reconfiguring. I was thinking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There were eight pieces within this that kept regenerating, like a hydra, you know, like a what a hydra looks like. But these um, four ancient ones on each side did this energy work um, on the tw- on the 31st and you know it the internal became the outside so there wasn't like inside or outside energy anymore it was just energy flowing through so the reason why I'm mentioning this is because you know when we think about and bring forth negative things about ourselves we see it reflected on the outside of ourselves but what we're really doing is amalgamating energy that's around us okay or inside of us and and it's manifested around us but when we blend that energy together it's not manifested to the the degree that it is around us like you know people doing malevolent things, you know, there'll be less people doing stuff like that. Anyway, people have been kept ignorant and it's, you know, and kept in terror and that sort of thing. And we really can change things just by the way we think and how we feel. And, you know, a lot of people may not agree with that, but I've seen it happening. You know, I've manifested things and prayed for humanity and a lot of energy has been shifting. So, you know, radiating the light that you have within you, you know, when you take that solar plexus energy and and amalgamate it with your upper energy that radiates from your heart, upper heart, it it comes, it it bursts forth like a flame and surrounds you. You know, um, people talk about Jesus having the moment of transfiguration and illumination, 
um, you know, some of these people have been messing around with uh, Luciferian thing that man can become God, and they call it illumination. Well, they're just borrowing from the thing that actually happens to people that are connected to God, okay, that have that real connection. So that's, that's all part of duality, though. When we go through this period where we our energy just flows outwards, this is the resurrection kind of energy people talk about. And this is what's happening right now. If people are um, feeling this light within them and they're glowing with that light. And I was seeing, you know, this vision I had that this, energy was what was changing um this this tube taurus energy that has held humanity into 3d and on december 31st humanity came out of um the matrix and we're we're continuing to, to you know we're in a 3d reality still to some degree but this is shifting so Anyway, I've talked about a lot of things, heavy-duty things, and there was a lot of other things that I wanted to talk about. But um, I'm going to close for now, and I may bring up a little bit about this next week, but I'll try to focus on, you know, like a whole different reality because we are in a whole different reality. We're on blurred section of a whole new reality. And, you know, like I saw it as getting off one bus and going on another the new and fangled new bus that um, was something that we had before, but we've got a new and improved version, okay? That's what's happening. So take care, much love. And um, hopefully I'll be able to do the show next week. I know I took a month off and I had a lot of different things to do. And I went to a lot of different places, did a lot of energy work. And I'm sending that energy forth within humanity. And I did that blessing with the stones to further take humanity from fear into light and um, into higher consciousness. Much love, you beautiful fifth-dimensional beings, you. Thank you for listening to Fifth Dimensional Living with your host, Diane Bachberger, bringing awareness to our world of greater love. For more information on Diane, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash dbachberger1. May your hearts and minds always be open to experiencing a greater world. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.